Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Activist. Friend. Bald. Why am I mentioning she's bald? Well, as always, you'll see once you finish listening to the episode. But without giving too much away, Christina does a beautiful job of highlighting the title of this episode. Life gets lifey from shaving your head to veganism to falling out of codependency the ultimate theme that i hope that you gain from listening to this episode is that it's never too late to learn something new about yourself evolution is continuous let me know what you think of this episode if you like it give it a rating if you love this episode leave a review post it on social media all your accounts follow subscribe so that you never miss another episode. Enjoy this one. You are listening to the Cornerstone Conversations podcast, where we invite and ignite mindful moments through education-driven, people-oriented, principled conversation. I'm your host, Chris Didion. Let's chat. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you great. Okay, all right. So how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I, my cat was super snuggly. So it's like very hard for me to get moving when he's just like all up in my business. <laughs> I mean, it, the weather's getting cooler. The, the cats are getting more snuggly. This is a common theme that I True. found with all cat owners <laughs> of recent. That's uh, so funny. <laughs> yeah. But thank you for sitting down with me. I know that we had to shift our schedules a little bit, but I appreciate you you know, shifting your schedule so you could sit down with me. I know between me teaching, you working on a farm, there, our schedules were not as aligned, but I'm glad that we could sit down. So, yes, perfect. Yeah. Could you tell me a little bit about that? You work on a farm? It's 2020. So, well, I... <laughs> <laughs> how so how did you manage to get a job not working in front of a screen? <laughs> so that's actually not true. So I do work hours in front of a screen gotcha. at a car dealership. So, um, but I live on a farm oh. and, um, and on my days off, I help around the farm. And I also volunteer at another farm that my friend lives on. So, um, I definitely am not as cool as I wish I, <laughs> as, as I wish I was. Um, but no, yeah, I work at a car dealership and that's 24 seven on a screen. So, um, but yeah, no, the farm's incredible. It's a, it's a vegan chicken farm. Um, but they have plenty of different other birds there as well. And they're all rescues and we don't eat them. 
And, um, and then that's like the same thing on the other farm as well. That, that one's called Animal Nation. This one doesn't have a name. It's just my friend's farm. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's called, my friend's farm. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wait, so, okay. We got to backtrack here. A vegan chicken farm. I never thought I would hear those two words together. <laughs> yep. 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 It's, um, it's different. So yeah, no, we just rescue the chickens. Um, they're rescued from either hoarding situations or, um, from being rescued from slaughter and they just coexist with us. Like literally Th- four of them live in the house cause they're little babies. No. Um, what? but they're full grown, but they're small. They're super small. Yeah. I'll send you a picture. They're you, so tiny. You, they just live in the house with you. Like, you know, pets like dom- what are traditional domestic pets dogs yeah. cats nope. mm-hmm. you- yep they're just hanging so basically just like the show friends do you have a duck there too or no we have six ducks you have a chick and a duck <laughs> <laughs> they don't the chick the ducks don't live inside but there is uh, a goose that lives on the property and he co- she comes inside every once in a while that's bananas how many more pets or farm animals do you live with so there's 80 to 85 chickens there's the six ducks there's a rescued crow but we haven't seen her for a while so hopefully luna is okay um and then there's the two geese and then one of the the third goose actually flew away i think with uh their other goose friends so that goose is gone. Um, but, and then also my cat lives there, but he, I live in a giant room in the downstairs of like the farmhouse. Mm-hmm. And, um, so he has to stay in the room until all the birds go to bed. Fair. So, and then he gets to go hunt mice and he's like living his best life. So, <laughs> so you also live with mice. Okay, good. Check, check, check. Yeah. Oh no, like <laughs> plenty of them. It's like, it's, it's a little unbearable at times. <laughs> What's your cat's name? Rumble. Rumble. The God of Thunder. <laughs> So Rumble, so walk me through the scenario. Rumble go hunts a dozen of mice and brings you back how many? <laughs> oh my God. I can't even count at this point. <laughs> Countless. It's so bad. That's great. Countless. I'm def- defending, defending the manor. I love it. So, so is it considered a chicken farm because chickens are the majority of the animals you have there? Like, I'm yes. always curious. Okay. So if there was more mm-hmm. geese, it'd be a geese farm? Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's a bird farm, but you know, it's, I feel like it makes more sense to say chicken. Yeah. Maybe, you know, you don't have to go into all the detail about each bird. So chicken. <laughs> no one asks questions about chicken. They ask questions <laughs> about the other ones. Okay. It makes sense. It makes total sense. I'm caught up. Um, but so what, so is this a family farm? This is, this is a farm that you grew up on a family no. home. Okay. No. So it's a, it's a funny story. So I want to hear it. (laughs) Yeah. So what happened was, um, I got sober back in 2016 Okay. and, um, I met my friend at the time, um, a few years before getting sober. Like she was the person I would like reach out to when I was like totally out of my mind and like not being able to get my life together. Um, she would be like my safety blanket. I would like run to her and find like moments of comfort in her along with a few other women and so yeah she she was like always in the back of my mind as someone that like when I'm really ready to get sober I'll go to her and I did that and um she's the one that lives on she's the one that owns this farm and um you know lives in the house and everything with her husband and and our roommate Beto 
And uh, so when I, I was in a relationship from like two months after I got sober until about two months ago. And, um, and when we broke up two months ago, I texted a bunch of my friends and I was like, Hey, like, it's going to be too painful for me to stay in this apartment. Like I'm going to have to find a new place to live. And here's my price range. And like a half hour after I texted that, um, Margie called me and she's like, come live with me. That's insane. Just like, come live with me, come help out around the farm, come, you know, find some healing here and, uh, don't worry about any of that other stuff right now. So that's what I did. Love that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I I mean, yeah, I, I, everyone has a different uh, story regarding sobriety whether it's them mm-hmm. directly or indirectly. So I thank you for sharing that. And yeah. honestly, what better place to go than a farm? Animals have such healing factors because oh my God. they need you, but they won't. How do I say this? And it's, they need you in the sense mm-hmm. to take care of them in a sense, but they really don't. So it's really awesome when you have an animal come up to you and request that from you, then you know, you're the chosen one. Like even like horses are so like, I didn't grow around horses, but uh, I've been listening to like Whitney Cummings, like her podcast, like her story a lot. Mm-hmm. And she talks so much about how horses are predatory or are, are not predatory. They're a prey animal rather. Mm-hmm. And because mm-hmm. of that, they can sense your fear. So like if you in any sense of the way are not in control, then it starts a spiral within both that relationship. So for her in her kind of sobriety and being an Al-Anon in that, journey being around animals has been so healing for her so for you to say like you know get some healing here like that's the best you know a farm and it's a more natural environment than like a zoo an aquarium so yeah yeah no absolutely it's so true I every time I drive like there's so much going on in my head because it's such a huge transition and a huge change and everything is just so new Mm -hmm. Um, but when I drive onto the property and I like, they have like these prayer flags that like blow in the wind and these hawks literally are like hanging out on the, um, huge posts that they have that hold up the prayer flags. Yeah. And, um, like there's just so much wildlife that you can't drive into that property with like the heartache that you have and, Mm -hmm. and the stuff on your mind. Like you can't carry that into the, into the farm. Like it's, it's really hard to stay in that uh, deep sadness, if Mm -hmm. you will, you know? Um, so it's been, it, it it has, it's been like incredibly healing. That's like the best way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about an awareness too, though. I want to test that because there are people who might enter that space and be like, Oh, this place is creepy. Oh, I don't like animals. Oh, I don't want to be in this area, (laughs) but really it's the awareness of like, okay, what is it that you are carrying that won't fit in this space? Mm, mm, yeah um yeah like maybe even from a spiritual sense like um if certain scents like um fragrances or certain stones or anything like that if you feel like a certain discomfort to it it, there has to be an assessment and awareness to be like why am i feeling uncomfortable what needs to be removed for me to create a space for this healing to occur so Mm, i think i think that's just a common theme yeah yeah that's really powerful yeah 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 so have you, have you just always been an animal person? Oh, well, it's funny because I, my sister, my older sister and I grew up, I have four siblings and my older sister and I grew up in New Hampshire together and um, she was vegetarian growing up. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I was attracted to it because I've always really liked extreme things. And, you know, at the time growing up in New Hampshire and the middle of nowhere, you know, somebody who was, that was extreme, you know, being vegetarian was extreme. And she showed me some like PETA videos and I was like, oh my God, I can't, I can't contribute to this. Um, But it never stuck for me because I, I don't know, I didn't have like a a personal attachment to, to being a vegetarian and I was young and so was she, but she like made it work. Um, And we also grew up really poor. So like she was basically just eating uh, garden chicken patties and like pasta. That was like her diet. So I don't know how healthy she was at the time, but, (laughs) and yeah, so, so it didn't stick, but, um, I, and then, I don't know, like I, I battled, like I said, with, with addiction and, and that helped me, that kept me very self-centered and not that you have to be vegan to be not self-centered. Like Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't think that. Um, but I couldn't even think about what was good for me, let alone what was good for the environment, for an animal, for other people. Um, so it really didn't stick until I got sober to really care for animals and be an animal person, like a legit animal person. So, yeah, I didn't think it's all based on my sobriety, really, because okay. before that, it was just what, how can I get what I need to be okay? So your sister's a vegetarian. You're a vegetarian? Yes. I'm vegan. Vegan. Okay. Yeah. She's okay. also vegan now. Ooh, I have, okay. um, three of my siblings are, are vegan now. So me, well, me, my little sister and my older sister. Can you talk about the difference between that? I think that there's a lot of confusion with what a vegan is versus vegetarian. What are those delineations? Yeah. So um, a vegetarian is somebody who still consumes animal products. Um, They still consume milk and eggs. Um, Yeah, that's really it. And Mm -hmm. then a vegan is someone who doesn't consume those things. And also, I mean, like, I know that there's some people who, I don't know, like I have a cat and I feed him meat. Does that make me less vegan? Maybe, probably, you know? Um, and people try and put their cats on a vegan diet, but I, I don't want to chance that. Like I've read so many awful things about it. I, um, you know, if I had a dog, I'd probably have him be vegan. Um, I definitely want to get a dog sooner than later. So I, I would definitely put him on a vegan diet because they can, they can thrive on that. Um, but also if you're, um, you know, using products that are tested on animals. Does that make you less vegan? Maybe. I don't use products that are tested on animals, you know, but um, if you wear the leather shoes that your grandma bought you for your birthday, like, does that make you less vegan? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, what is consumption? Like, how do you define consumption? Because you said, you know, a vegetarian is someone who still consumes, you know, milk, eggs, um, things of that nature, but a vegan is someone who doesn't or doesn't consume that, but like, is consumption just what you put in your body? No, I don't think so. I I think it's, you know, um, that's the beautiful thing about veganism for me is it really made me like stop and think about each purchase. Um, and how is this impacting, uh, the environment? How, and again, that comes from a place of privilege though, because not everybody can do that. You know, not everybody can like go to a supermarket and like really take an extra 20 minutes to read the labels to not everyone has that time on their hands. And I just want to say this, like when I first went vegan, I was 
so unbelievably judgmental and strict mm -hmm. and threw out all of the gifts that I had that had leather on them. And like, I'm regretting that now because, you know, they were good boots. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't, yeah. So, um, that I just want to say that, like, I yeah. want to say that this is definitely, a, a place of privilege that I can explore this area of life. Mm -hmm. And I recognize now almost four years into veganism that, or three and a half, I don't even re remember. I don't think yeah. about it anymore. Um, that not everyone can go on this journey. And if my grandmother wants me to, I'm just using this as an example. My mm -hmm. grandmother is like, Oh God, she's 82 now. And she can't go grocery shopping on her own because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So if she wants me to get her chicken cutlets, or if she wants me to get her a turkey breast, I'm not going to say no. I would have said no when I first went vegan. I would have been like, I'm not touching that. Um, but now it's like, no, that's, she's not in a place where she can make those decisions, you know? Um, yeah. So I'm going to support my grandmother. I don't have to put it in my body. I'm not even the one that has to pay for it, but am I going to pick it up for her? Hell yeah. Like it's yeah. my grandma. Um, so it's interesting to see like how my veganism has shifted over the years and um, how it, it was like my first decision too in sobriety that was my own. It wasn't like uh, uh, appointed to me from um, the judge or from um, the boyfriend even, or from the family members or uh, I don't know, anybody else. It was my decision. And I had the choice to be like, no, I'm not going to put that on my body. You can say all you want, but I'm not going to like take in that suffering. Cause that's how I see it. I truly see like when you put an animal through that, as you know, dairy eggs included, you are ingesting and a huge amount of suffering. Um, I know I think that went way off topic, but, uh, oh, it didn't not at all. Yeah. Yeah. So consumption. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, because I am a place of privilege, if I choose to, uh, even buy the toothpaste that was tested on animals, I am putting suffering on my teeth and how clean are my teeth going to be if mm. I have suffering on them? Like it might sound intense and dramatic, but like, Energy. I feel lucky that I'm in a, right? Like yeah. totally, totally. I don't know. I feel better knowing that, uh, someone isn't in a cage suffering for, for my purchase period. Yeah. And when we look at suffering too, it's, do you think that, and this is personal opinion, there isn't really a right or wrong. I just, I want to pick your brain on this. Do you think that there is a way that animals can be killed where it's minimal suffering and it is in a way that is respectful to their life in a sense? Because there are some cultures that they will kill, say, a fish or a, a animal in a way in which it's like, no, this is like the way that's most respectful. Um, even like saying Judaism per se. Like, do you think that that's possible? Um. So, I think that, I mean, even when it comes to um, Thanksgiving or Christmas, and you put the ham on the table or the turkey on the table, but you're giving thanks, yeah. right? Um. Thanksgiving I, as a whole is very <laughs> its own topic. Don't we, that's a whole nother podcast uh, subject. <laughs> Stress. <laughs> oh my God, I'm there with you. Yeah. Um, no, but I think that, uh, 
I think that it's interesting when you start talking about tradition and culture and religion based on the use of animals. Mm. Um, some of the the uh, goats that like I've gotten to know on my friend's farm and on another farm, Safe Haven Sanctuary in New York, um, there's been goats there that have been rescued from, uh, I don't know what religion it is, but they pour wax on the goat and offer the goat up to the God that they uh, worship. Yeah. And, and then the goats somehow get away sometimes screaming and they find them in the middle of Brooklyn and then they end up on a a sanctuary. Um, so like, I don't know. I I can't say that as like a white person who hasn't grown up in a, in a, a culture or a religion, um, period. Like I really have, I never grew up really with religion. So I, I, I don't know what that tradition is means to that person. Um, but I think for myself, cause I can only speak for myself. Yeah. Um, Thanksgiving, I find it very weird to be sitting around a table with my loved ones with a dead body on the table, giving thanks for it. Like mm. we didn't go out and hunt that Turkey and I still don't, we don't need to anymore. No one needs yeah. to go hunt. You know, you can go buy it in a pretty package and your hands are clean. Right. Um, so, and I think if anybody saw the way that that turkey got to the plate or the way that that, uh, pig got to the plate, I don't, I think a lot of people who were in a position to make the decision not to put that on the plate during the holiday, they would choose not to, you know, I find it way more, uh, gratifying and, and I find more gratitude now for the times where I get to sit at a vegan table on a holiday specifically, like mm. uh, my my ex boyfriend's dad, he he would always like cook us vegan meals for the holidays, and like that was super cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so so I I don't know how to answer that only from my own perspective. I think mm-hmm. that again, if you are in a position to try vegan meals on uh for tradition reasons uh swap out the meat for a vegan option i think and really focus on like the energy of it i Mm. think it will really transform how you view that holiday for me that's how it has been for me that's interesting i will i kind of want to pick something a part of something that you just said as far as like when your ex-boyfriend's father would make a vegan meal for you or have a vegan option for you look my friend gene and i talked about this food is a love language uh and Mm -hmm. especially if you are in that minority who is vegetarian vegan gluten-free uh Mm -hmm. allergies it means so much that someone would go out of their way to be like let me look up another option so this person can eat uh Mm -hmm. you know and there's certain cultures like even like my family like nigerian culture we don't necessarily say i love you in the words of i love you it's like have you Mm -hmm. eaten today Mm -hmm. what did you eat you know and they're a nigerian culture that's not the only culture but in mainly Mm -hmm. collectivist cultures that's how you show your affection it's (laughs) look i might be fighting with you but i still love you and i love you enough where i don't want you to wither away and malnourish have you ate today (laughs) You know, yeah, you could still be fighting, that. you know, you could still be fighting with someone or irked with someone or it's like, have you eaten today? Like that's, that's yeah. happened with me and my dad where we'll be like, you know, bickering a little bit and he comes to my room. He's like, are you hungry? Have you eaten? It's like, <laughs> no, you know, but it's just, you know, oh. and arguments kind of like cease when we're at the dinner table. But I think that it is important 
for people to understand that if someone has a different eating habit than you, if it's a healthy eating habit, right? Um, Because we don't want to encourage unhealthy eating behaviors, uh, disordered eating in that sense. And I think Thanksgiving is very, um, it's a heightened sense, especially when you're around family. If someone's Mm -hmm. having body dysmorphia, body issues in that sense, or their eating habits are not similar to the collective, it can be very traumatic. So that's another Mm -hmm. thing to consider as well. Mm-hmm. So walk me through, you're walking into a grocery store. Um, mm-hmm. This is not sponsored by Stop and Shop, but I don't stop shops. <laughs> uh, but you're walking into a grocery store or you're walking to any kind of store and you are picking up an item that's not like an like a food. Maybe it's a makeup. Mm-hmm. How do you go about checking if that's been tested on an animal? How, do, how does someone know that? Yeah, so there's um, the cruelty-free bunny that you'll see on the makeup. And usually if you are vegan, you like already know the brands and everything. Gotcha. So it gets easier to shop with time. But uh, yeah, so like you, you can see the little bunny on it or it will, see, it will say um, not test on animals or cruelty-free. The thing that sucks is like the the parent company of most companies test on animals. So like if you're, if you're getting, um, I don't know, uh, Burt's Bees, for instance, like that product, then I think their parent company or Tom's toothpaste, it's like Clorox is like their parent company. Mm -hmm. So like specifically the Burt's Bees might not be test on animals. They do have uh, beeswax in a lot of their products. So I don't buy a lot of their stuff, but um, they have, their parent company, obviously Clorox is testing on animals, like, you know, but they have a branch that doesn't. So it's better than nothing. Um, It's hard. It's hard to like completely rule out um, cruelty in your products, but also, I mean, then you have um, uh, uh, humans that are getting the the products for the specific product, like the the products that go into the product Mm -hmm. and they aren't treated well and they uh, aren't getting paid a fair wage there, you know? um, So is it really cruelty free just because there's not animal products in it? You know what I mean? So Mm. it's, it's a whole thing. And and if it wasn't for veganism, I wouldn't have even looked at things like that. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So what yeah. else what else gets tested on animals? You mentioned like Clorox tests um on animals. I know I know cosmetics like makeup, but like I feel like there's so many other things that are tested on animals that I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, honestly everything. Like everything wow. that yeah, and and people say well they have an initial like testing period and then it stops, but I don't know how true that is. I I think I think there is um specific labs that keep testing certain products that again go into the finished product um you'll also see some products that say the finished product isn't tested on animals so that means that like the initial stages before the finished product was Mm -hmm. um and uh yeah so i mean like honestly honestly everything really um if it if it's not certified by like PETA or something then it's most likely test on animals somewhere down the line Mm. yeah it's pretty wild Honestly, I'm, I mean, I'm already learning a lot and I feel as though a part of being a good vegan is being an informed consumer, right? Cause I don't want to just yeah. make a statement about veganism cause I am not vegan, but mm-hmm. it's cool seeing or kind of hearing the transformation 
between when you started being a vegan to like now what category of vegan would you categorize yourself as like are you <laughs> that is so funny <laughs> well is it like are you the one that inserts that you're vegan in every sentence or are you like a casual <laughs> vegan because you know there are the memes out there where it's just like people who are crossfitters and vegans are fall in the same boat where they have to tell people like i do crossfit where it's yeah. like that's not necessarily true but yeah, yeah. where do you fall um so i would definitely say that I'm pretty militant about my veganism, mm-hmm. but I've calmed down in a way where my militant self is more for me. And it's more for, again, my consumption. If there's even a trace of dairy in something, I'm not eating it. I'll wait, you know? Um, uh, but I, the begin, like I said, like the beginning of my vegan journey, I was um, the militant vegan that told you know you that you're not living correctly if you're consuming animals, and I would mm. judge you like super hard. And now it's more like the the healthy judgment for myself, and like you're gonna do what you're gonna do, mm. and all I can do is share my experience, not even so much for you, but just because it's so important to me. It's such a huge part of my life that of course I'm gonna talk about it. You know, of course it's gonna come up. A lot of the times at my job, my coworkers are the, are the one now to bring it up because they're curious. Um, but I'm trying not to like insert it into every conversation anymore. Also, because like it's so, it's so a part of me and it's so ingrained in me that it doesn't even cross my mind to mm. really be like, I'm vegan. Let's share the world how vegan I am. Like my Hello, Instagram. Everyone. I'm yeah, vegan. right. <laughs> That's how I was. Yeah, I even have vegan tattooed on me. So, um, which I, I love it. And, you know, it's, again, it's a huge part of who I am. Um, and, uh, what was I going to say though? Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, that's what you're saying about your Instagram. Oh yeah. Well, I, I, I did get rid of my Instagram for a while, but I, I have it back now. Okay. And, um, uh, but when I first got Instagram, it was like, when I did go vegan, it was all like, fuck you. You're not vegan. Like that's, <laughs> that's like, you are living very incorrectly cause you're yeah. not vegan. And now I, I rarely even post about it. I just post more about like the living beings that I live with and how important they are to me. And I share their journey, you know? Um, yeah. Cause I think, I don't know. I used to th- tell myself I could eat chickens because they're stupid you know, and I'll cut out pigs because they're smart. And, um, but now that I live with chickens, they have the coolest little personalities and they're like very, uh, they, they, they're very, um, much individuals. Like you can tell when, uh, when Jala is coming up to you opposed to when, um, what's the other, I, I'm bad with their names. Um, when, uh, Luli is coming up to you, like you can tell who is who, Um, and I think that's really cool. And I don't want to take that experience of them in the world away from them because my taste buds want them. Mm. You know, I, I think, I think it's really interesting to view the world in a way where each being that has a heartbeat, you let them just coexist and be them Mm. and like embrace that part of them. Like there's this duck at the safe Haven, uh, farm sanctuary Um, his name's Daffy and he's wild. Like he's just running around making these crazy noises. He looks really aggressive. And then you have the duck next to him. That's like super calm and just hanging, Mm -hmm. you know, like they all have their own little quirks and their own traumas that they're also working through, 
You know, it's interesting, you know, think about when you rescue an animal from a meat farm, what they've been through and what they're processing, like they still have a brain, they're still going through the process of letting go what happened in that farm, even if they're not thinking about like that, there's, they still have those stress responses like we have, Mm. you know, um, so who am I to deny somebody of, of, um, that just life? Yeah. You know, but again, that's that not everybody can think like that. Not everybody can make those decisions because they're thinking about how they're just going to put food on their plate, not what kind of food. Um, so, and I identify with that too. Cause like I said, when I grew up, I wasn't wealthy by any means. And I, I don't know how my sister was able to finagle that, but, uh, um, we got food from food pantries and, and our neighbors would buy us food and stuff. So it wasn't like we had many options either. Um, but yeah, so that's it. Yeah. I yeah. I do want to say a part of that. Um, I, you, you mentioned a couple times actually, as we're talking about, you know, you didn't grow up wealthy. Um, mm-hmm. Vegetables are expensive. Vegetarian, vegan or not, vegetables are expensive and it plays a huge role in the fact or in why the nation of the United States is so unhealthy because those who would benefit more from eating vegetables, eating things that go bad, (laughs) right? Mm. Um, And, you know, my friend Emily even said this recently, like if it's going to go bad on the shelves, it's go if it takes a long time for it to go bad on the shelves, it's going to take a long time to go bad in your body. Oh, I love that. And I was like, yeah. snaps, right. But it's, <laughs> it's the same. It's the concept, right? Like pasta probably is going to take a little longer to go through you. If it's not like made fresh, like you bought mm-hmm. it in a box, uh, cereal, uh, those, those items that have preservatives, the reason that they're called preservatives is so it preserves its lifespan. Mm. Mm-hmm, so if it's going to exactly. take a long time on the shelves, it will take a long time for your body to d- digest it. Yeah. As perfect as the body is as a machine, uh, it's mm-hmm. going to take a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. So kind of going off of that, I mean, you seem like a pretty chill, like you understand, like my choices are my choices. I'm not going to evangelize someone else to <laughs> become a mm-hmm, vegan or a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. But what do you say when people tell you that, you know, you're not getting enough protein? Oh God, that is so annoying. But again, I know that it's from a place of them not understanding that, you know, the human body does not need a, that as much protein as we think we need Mm. and B, I mean, there's plenty of options that come from the ground that you can get your protein from beans. uh, Kale has a lot of protein. I think Um, tofu has a ton of protein Um, lentils. Uh, you know, I'm like anything I think has protein in it. Like I, yeah. <laughs> I think, and your body knows what it needs. So listen, like that's been my whole thing. Um, especially with like these huge changes in my life. Um, my body will tell me, you know, what it needs. And if I'm clear mentally, uh, then I can hear it better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, I love what your friends said. That's, that's such a good point to make. Yeah. Very good point. Do you, Yeah, I mean, that even what you just said is a very solid answer. I think that there isn't enough knowledge to just at where po- protein is located. <laughs> so like mm-hmm. animal sources 
are what's called complete protein. So it's a lot easier to get your recommended dosage of protein if you eat meat. Mm-hmm. That being said, it just takes a little bit more work and it takes actually reading what you're, so beans and rice, complete protein. Mm-hmm. Soy mm-hmm. Or, or tofu, just like you said, great form of protein. Why? Because it's soy. So like there, mm-hmm. you have to, again, read the label to understand and read more to understand that, hey, okay, do I want to cut out meat sources? And I don't think everyone needs to become a vegan or needs to become vegetarian to do their part in mm-hmm. reducing how much how much animal sources they use. Like it could be as simple yeah. as like, okay, one day a week or two days a week or two nights a week, I'm only going to eat vegetarian meals. Mm-hmm. So I'm only going to eat, say, rice and vegetables, or I'm only I'm going to opt that I'm not going to eat eggs on this day. Like we can all do our part in cutting out animal sources. And yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. 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 I, sorry. I just like, I think that's something that's uh, really important to talk about, especially in the vegan community. That's not talked about nearly enough is, um, is the idea that like you most likely are not going to change people's minds about going vegan that's going to have to be on their own time their own research if it ever happens um and um you know if i feel like that's the better direction to go in if you are going to try and inform people about climate change about um what it does to uh lower income neighborhoods what it does to like all of these it, going vegan and and having um, slaughterhouses and stuff, it doesn't just impact the animals. It's impacting the environment, obviously, and the lower income uh, neighborhoods as well. Um, a great documentary to watch is What the Health. That's actually like what made me go vegan and explains mm. a lot about all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, okay. So that's what I think is super important to talk about is how can you help people see that just limiting their animal consumption will help them and the environment mm-hmm. tremendously rather than just being like, I can't go vegan. So I'm just going to eat meat every single meal, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I identify with that cause I've done that too. You know, yeah. I, I, when I was eating meat, I ate meat constantly. I loved cheese. I loved milk. I was that person saying, I love cheese too much. I can't go vegan. Love cheese. Um, yeah, it's, it's good. There's really good vegan cheeses too. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, I think, uh, that is a great conversation to have with people just yeah. about limiting their consumption, not necessarily switching over completely. If you can, hell yeah, do it. But yeah. the chances of that happening are very slim. And I see that now. There's definitely so. more options out there. I feel like, like, even like, if you go to say, you don't have a lot of money, you go to a fast food restaurant, you can go to like Burger King. They have an impossible burger and it tastes yeah. Pretty close to a whopper like i i can attest to this like as as a um a meat lover as someone who's eaten a lot of burgers a lot of chicken mm-hmm. uh, a lot of all the meats <laughs> i can attest <laughs> the impossible burger tastes pretty darn close like if i put the right? both in front of you you wouldn't know the difference and it's yeah. also just a healthier option but I will say this as well. I think a big fear is we don't have enough vegetarian options in our arsenal when it comes to cooking. I love cooking. And that was a big part Mm -hmm. of it. A big part of it was like, well, I don't know how to cook 
vegetarian. It's like you can easily just swap out whatever the beef is with like peppers, broccoli, like mm-hmm. and seasoning. Like mm-hmm. season your food. <laughs> don't yeah, don't right? fall back on meat to season all of your food. Like you know, but it's that fat that makes it taste so good. So like yeah use freaking salt like some people just don't know how to cook like people just <laughs> don't know how to use seasoning so let's just throw that out there but yeah you know uh yeah i mean it's an easy way to like make things taste good i make bacon mm-hmm. and then i put i could put asparagus in the thing of bacon fat that i just used mm, i'm i'm basically like bobby flay like you know what i mean and <laughs> <laughs> but people fall on that of like, no, I can't give it up because it just tastes so good. I'm like, yeah, but like, vegetables actually taste good too. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, that, um, oh my gosh, Max, Max's Tavern, maybe it's Plant B, they have like these like cauliflower, like, um, like popper things and you put it in like a honey mustard. So good. But mm. I, I digress. Um, but I think. <laughs> I love food. If you couldn't tell. Oh, me <laughs> so, too. Me too. But I, I think that sometimes we are a little too dependent on the opinions of strangers. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I wanted to know your thoughts on that. What do you, where do you think this codependency stems? Um, to, to not change or, or to, to not limit your meat consumption. Is that what you're in general. asking? Yeah. In general. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny because my whole life I've been like a giant people pleaser and, um, and really doing things, not so much because I want to do them, but because I don't want people to feel uncomfortable. And in return, I end up resenting people because of my own choices that I didn't have to make. Um, and I feel like veganism was that again, that one thing where it was like, I don't really care what you think. And I don't care if you're uncomfortable, if I don't want to accept what you're offering to me. Mm-hmm. So it kind of built a more self-esteem in other areas of my life to be like, oh, I said no there and everything was fine. And if somebody's offended, that's their own stuff they have to work through. It doesn't have anything to do with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was easy for me to practice that with veganism and to strip away the codependency, like you use that word, I, I like that, um, of what people's opinions of me are. Um, I struggle with that in basically every other area of my life. But veganism, it's really easy for me to be like, no, like this is, I'm standing my ground in this. This is very important to me. And I do not want that in my body. Um, and oh, that's such a good reminder too, to just like carry that out through other areas of my life. And that, like I said, like the way that people react to the decisions you make is entirely on them. It's not, it has nothing to do with the decision you made. It's about how they interpret the decision and and how they're working through their own shit. Um, Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Welcome. The four like agreements. That. You would think I was sponsored by the four oh. agreements. The amount of times I freaking oh God, bring I up the book. book. <laughs> but oh right, don't God. take anything personal, right? Um, Such that's, a good book. Oh my yeah, God. Very good book. Mm. Well, I did a little write up on it because I thought that a lot of it was good, but some of it was a little too wordy. So it's really just like, don't think things personally. Like, it has nothing yeah, to do with you. It, you know, yeah. Yeah. we're all carrying our emotional scars and our ancestral 
traumas it has nothing to do with you like so it, true. it really has nothing to do with you in every sense of the word as in the person you're interacting with and as in it's probably a trauma from your ancestors ancestors ancestor yeah. oh my god that's so true i oh my god i'm so happy you brought that up i um i'm starting to see this like new therapist and um he's like a different kind he I don't know how to really explain like what type Mm -hmm. of therapy he does but he does talk about your your ancestors and like where uh and and to kind of like take the heat off of you because you're working through eons of like bullshit that you don't you're not even aware of so um that's so interesting I, I love uh thinking about that and like taking that into consideration when I'm working through like my own karma or whatever you want to say mm-hmm. however you want to say that um it's it's like each lesson that comes up it's like oh now I'm thinking I'm like okay who else has dealt with this and like I'm not even working through it just for me but I'm also working through it for them as well and it's interesting like I I, I love that idea yeah I mean, I think too, the mind is a very powerful one source, but just in general thing and mm-hmm. framing your mindset towards that. So like kind of going mm-hmm. back to that codependency, framing your mindset to say like their reaction has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know, taking that off of yourself and not taking ownership of other people's reactions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's so powerful. It's so powerful when you start doing that and you see how much less stress you carry around. Floating. Um, and You're again, floating like, around. Yeah. Oh, right? <laughs> Literally, like um, like I said, like I really started seeing that with the veganism. Like I really started being like, oh, like my decision's not gonna change. So why am I gonna keep thinking about what they're thinking about? You know? Um but again, like, I think I'm going to be working through that my entire life. I think everybody will, you know, it, it's very hard to let go of, of other people's opinions of you, but I think it's super cool when you start practicing it, you yeah. know, and seeing the way that it transforms your life and seeing the way that it, um, uh, changes the direction of your life. Like, even when I first went vegan, I thought if I wasn't like hanging out with the right vegans, or if I wasn't um, going to every protest or if I wasn't um, showing up for the vigils or whatever, then I wasn't as great of a vegan as like the person who was doing all those things. But just because, or even like, um, you know, with uh, the movements that are more prevalent now Mm -hmm. in our society, like I really love going to protests and for many different causes. And I really, that speak to me and I really love going and being of service to organizations that are already uh, organized. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, but when I can't, that doesn't make me any, you know, uh, less of a person than when I was doing them, Mm -hmm. you know, life gets lifey. And, and I started realizing that in, when I took a step back away from like activism in veganism. Yeah. Um, if that makes any sense. Life gets lifey. I like that. Yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah. I, like that. I think too, kind of pulling from what you're saying, it's the concept that everyone shows support 
differently. Totally. And it's because of multiple factors, but it's the factors of like how you enjoy receiving that support and how you were always shown that support. Yeah. You know, so for some people, like if you're not going to protest, but they grew up with being very vocal and protests were like how they were shown, like, that's how you show you care. If people aren't Mm -hmm. showing up for protests, they're thinking like they don't care. Um, Yeah, that's so true. Donations, petitions, like, oh, I'm signing this petition. Why aren't you signing it? You don't care. Like, and Mm -hmm. I think once we step out of that, like, okay, there are multiple ways to show that. And I I was, mm -hmm, this is me learning in action. I'm going to name that. I was about to say the, what's it called? (laughs) The, the adage, there's multiple ways to skin a cat, but I'm watching my language, right? (laughs) <laughs> there's good job there's multiple ways you. well wow, that's look at you it's only been an hour it's only been <laughs> wow and look at look at us who would have thought look at us we're growing we're <laughs> <Right>. growing <laughs> but but that just goes to show like once we know better we must be better and it's a part of analyzing and being aware every step of the way because it yeah. is our non-observable characteristics that are make up our whole social identity that make up our cultures that drive our behaviors it is the non-observables it's not it's not our race always Mm -hmm. it's not um if i wear glasses it's -hmm. not if i have a religion that is like i'm wearing um a hijab or i'm wearing a cross Mm -hmm. It's mm-hmm. my socioeconomic status. It's my political party. It's my yeah. upbringing. It's the non-observables that drive our actions. Mm, They're so deep and so internal. powerful. Yeah, it's so deep and internal yeah. that you have to be checking yourself every time. And the only way that happens is if you're truly listening. If I wasn't truly listening to you, I would have just been like, "There are multiple ways to skin a cat," and we're talking about <laughs> veganism. <laughs> You know, and then the listeners would have been like, is this bitch even listening? Like, what's going on? Like, (laughs) funny. I like that. That's so good. Yeah. That's happened to me in some instances where I'm just like, are we even in the same volume of the same book of the same page? But I do recall a couple years ago, I I love Barnes and Noble. I love reading. Uh, I was at a Barnes and Noble and outside of that um, particular Barnes and Noble, there was like a silent protest happening around like, Honestly, looking back, I couldn't even tell you if it was veganism. I couldn't tell you if it was anti-animal cruelty. All I know is, so they had masks, and there's just, they were holding laptops showing, like, yeah, animal cruelty happening and stuff. Mm -hmm. I inquired, because, like, I'm a curious person, if you haven't gathered that. And, you know, (laughs) we're having a back and forth. It wasn't me trying to convince them otherwise. I just was curious of what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, you know, there are certain, and this is, a part of when we know better, we'd be better, but we need to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at that time, it's like, well, it's kind of a part of my culture. This is what I grew up doing, like, in my particular culture. Like, meat is a heart, is the heart of, or the vital part of, like, every meal, like, and stuff like that. And then after it, because I ended up talking to the point of, it was time for them to leave. The people who were taking off their masks, you know, <laughs> One, they obviously could hear the conversation that's happening, but a part of yeah. it was, um, you know, he brought up, and that just shows how, how oof, over the head it was. And trying, sometimes people try to argue and 
angles that they think will just hit you and like be like ha prove Mm -hmm. you wrong i am a black woman when i was having this like conversation of like no i want to hear your point but like this is kind of my point like i love me and also it's like there isn't any laws like against it and like it's not something that's wrong this individual was like so like when you were talking about like your side of that um i just want to bring up like slavery was like legal and i'm just like he said that yes like the person who was like i wasn't engaging in the conversation originally it was one of the people who was holding the laptop but i was just like why did you bring up slavery is it because i'm black and also it's like that Mm -hmm. that's not what's going to get me to continue talking and that was a very cornerstone moment for me of like okay if you want people to like listen to you don't just bring up a traumatic historical event that is a part of their social identity to get them to understand because that individual doesn't understand black history and if that's what you're bringing up then we need to talk about Jim Crow we need to talk about that black women while the 19th amendment allowed women to vote black women didn't vote weren't allowed to vote till 1965 like if we're gonna have that conversation let's have that conversation you know totally totally open to it so Mm -hmm. I don't know I think it's very interesting to sit down and really understand choices that become a part of a lifestyle like things that are not just blips like for you being a vegan is clearly a part of, it's integrated where you don't have to think about it yeah yeah and it's funny because I haven't said something like that um like he he said I'm capable of it you know like in the beginning of of my vegan journey I could see myself saying something like that to like because of thinking like oh this this will get them to like change their entire life in the 20 minutes they've talked to me. Yeah. Um, but I have said things where I am deeply embarrassed, you know, about yeah. them. Um, not so much about race. Um, cause I, I'm really now with everything going on in the world, I'm embarrassed to say, but like, it's, it's like now where I'm really starting to learn. Mm-hmm. more about um the true history of of this country and and um black people people yeah. of color and um yeah but i i've um i've used images that are inappropriate i think too to like get mm-hmm. people to think you know where it's like my little tiny social platform my my social media it, i'm not going to be the one you know, that like wakes the world up and, and, uh, with this one Mm -hmm. image that is actually pretty offensive. Um, you know, I think I posted, uh, something where, uh, in -hmm. regards to like the, the Holocaust and how like the animals today, they're living in like the biggest Holocaust, um, uh, or, or what animals go through is, is parallel Mm. to what Jewish people went through. And like, that's just not, that's not appropriate. And like, I wish I could take that back. I wish, you know, that I had more knowledge at the time where I knew that that wasn't appropriate. And that wasn't a post that needed to come from me. Um, and yeah, so it's mm-hmm. interesting. Cause like, I feel for that dude, because I know what it's like to be in that position where it's like, what can I say where this one yeah. person will like change their life forever. But, um, you know, it's interesting that in the beginning i'm sure he's even in the beginning of his journey maybe because that that's such a beginner thing to do 
And it sucks because again, mm -hmm. it's all based on your freaking privilege, right? Like it's all based on you feeling like you're, you, you're, you're so blind to other injustices and other forms of oppression that the only one you can see is an animal's oppression mm -hmm. because you're not really living an oppressed life. You're not, if you're a white person, you're, there's, you know, the only, uh, you know, oppression that I would experience, and I don't even know if you could call it oppression, is yeah. just being a woman, but I'm a white woman. So it's interesting. So I, I, I don't know. I, I also feel like going down, you know, the topic of race and veganism, again, I think it's like easier for a white person who, do, who doesn't have to think about the other ways that there is oppression in the world. It's easier for them to be like, I'm going to go vegan and help these animals out because mm. I don't really have to think about my own oppression. It's interesting, you know? Like I think, um, yeah, my whole, my whole idea of veganism, like I said, has completely transformed. And I'm so, so happy about that. Like so happy about that. Do I think there are plenty of people who call themselves vegetarians for reasons that they think they're helping animals? Mm -hmm. I think that's absurd. Like if you're gonna take the, the uh, if you're gonna call yourself a vegetarian, be a vegetarian, be proud to be a vegetarian, wow. I think that's lame as yeah. fuck. Like, I'm just gonna say that. If you are in a position to make decisions to limit your meat consumption for the sake of animal, uh, animals lives and, and limiting animal cruelty, mm -hmm. you need to be vegan. Like you have to be, especially if you're in a position to do that. If you're a, uh, if you're, oh my God, <laughs> I'm not, I can't even talk cause it gets me so heated. If you are, a, a person who is in the position to do that and you blindly turn your eye to it and keep doing what you're going to be doing because you don't want to be mm -hmm. uncomfortable saying no to cheese pizza, then like, come on, you know, but again, everyone's in their own process. And, um, you know, again, like, am I going to say that to their face? I mean, no, because who am I? I'm not going to be the one to take the cheese pizza out of their hand. Slip it out know, of their they're going to have to be the one to do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I just like that baffles me. Like if you're going to call yourself a vegetarian for the sake of animals, then like you're nah. it just, that's not, that doesn't make any sense because animals who cows that are giving you the milk for your, the cream in your coffee mm -hmm. or the, the milk in your cereal or the cheese on your pizza, they're literally standing in what's called a rape rack all day so that you can feel good mm -hmm. about your decisions that they're still alive. Mm -hmm. I would much rather be dead if I was that cow. I wouldn't want to be standing in a rape rack all day having some farmer shove their hand up my vagina. Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't want that. And uh, again, if if I ever stop being vegan, which like I can never picture that, it just, oh, I cried even mm. thinking I ate meat yeah, a few yeah. months ago. <laughs> I thought there was meat in one of my dishes and I, I, cr I was sitting at my work desk with my head in my hands and I was like, oh my God, I, I think I ate meat. And my coworker went over to the food truck and found out it wasn't. And, uh, but yeah, like I truly cannot, uh, even imagine consuming meat. Um, where mm -hmm. was I going with that? Uh, but if I were, I would just eat meat. I would not be a vegetarian because I think that's so hypocritical because you still have the life mm -hmm. of another being in your mouth. So, um, you got heated. Whoa, I got a little, you got passionate. <laughs> that, that topic, 
It, I did, because I understand there's plenty of people who cannot have the luxury to mm -hmm. think about these things. But if you do, and you are making decisions mm -hmm. to limit your meat consumption, that's great. But if you're going to say that you're a vegetarian for the for the goodness of animals, I think you're... you're it, well, intention. Uh, I think intention is <laughs> at the forefront of that, that passionate uh, speech there, it, you know understand what it is to label yourself as something or to be a part of a certain social identity you know yeah yeah i think yeah. i think too well i i yeah. like when individuals get passionate on this because i think it's important for people to see it and hear it um more and less see or hear right but uh i i do want to kind of go back to you were talking about how there are certain posts or certain things that you wish you took back like when you talked about uh, equating animal oppression to the holocaust that individual who i spoke with equating you know uh, slavery being legal to animal oppression being legal it it's kind of rooted in harm it's rooted in harming the individual you're talking with to making them feel mm -hmm. bad and then pushing them into do it yeah. and what we know about health behavior is the only way to increase adherence is to make it something pleasurable, to make it something people want to go back to, to make them feel competent yeah. in whatever it is that they're learning and to make it where they feel that they have a choice, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because no one wants to feel like they are supporting mm -hmm. slavery, that they are supporting horrific historical events. Mm -hmm. So you deleted mm -hmm. and you also mentioned a little earlier in our conversation, you deleted Instagram for a little bit there. Why did you delete Instagram? Mm -hmm. So I do that every once in a while um, because I I get caught up in mm -hmm. uh, in social media. I think like everybody, and sometimes I just need like a real break from it and um, just to like use my time differently and not just scrolling because yeah. I can get stuck on it just like everybody else. But um, for me, it really feels like I hate to say it like this, but I feel like you can do things in your life that create a higher vibration in you like going out in the woods or being more connected to nature or being with really good friends um being held by somebody holding somebody there's things that create a higher vibration in your everyday in your body and scrolling on instagram mm -hmm. was definitely lowering that for me um so i deleted it uh for over a month actually and um uh and it was interesting because like each thing I did, whether it be donating to a cause and it's, that's something that I would post, be like, I donated, you donated, I donate for a donate, right? Or if I'm volunteering at the farm, I would yeah. post pictures of the animals, which I do now. Um, and, uh, but it was interesting to live my life without having to record it and without having to see the way that other people perceive it through a post on social media. Um, and again, I'm not somebody who has a crazy, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm just like a nobody on Instagram or on whatever social media platform there is out there. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's not just as addicting as somebody who has more of a following or who lives more in like a, a niche in, in the world, you know what I mean? Um, so it was interesting to release that and see how I interact with other people, 
see how uh, I don't have a camera in everybody's face and, and uh, taking selfies with my friends or whatever it may be, or posting information that I want out there, but doesn't necessarily need to be out there because it's already said by so many people that it should be heard from, if that makes sense. Um, and how I could like step back and really be in each moment of the day and finding out information in new ways whether that be reading the New York Times in the morning or uh, whether that be just like Googling the news and like giving myself a few minutes to catch up on what's happening instead of reading about it in different words on different posts over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I think there's this idea that if you're not being active and I am so freaking guilty of this, so mm -hmm. I'm not putting anybody down who does this, um, who if you're not on social me media posting what you're doing, how you're helping, how you're contributing in the world, then you're not doing enough. But it's, it really made me think when I'm not on social media and when I'm not posting about my veganism or about activism for Black Lives Matter, how am I still doing it, mm. not posting it? Am I still as active if the world isn't watching? Um, and that's something that you really have to ask yourself. Like, if I don't have this social media platform, am I still as active without it? Um, and uh, sometimes that's like a hard truth to look at, you know, like, are you? Um, and I also, my whole life literally flipped upside down these past two months. So like, I have had to take a step back from a lot of things that I loved being a part of, and I'm excited to get back into them. Um, but of course I have that fear too, like, oh, because I took a step back, am I going to be welcomed mm -hmm. back? And if I'm not, that's okay. I can still do my part, you know? And I think life again gets lifey. There are things that happen in life that cause serious setbacks, regardless of your race, regardless of your gender. And, but it doesn't mean as me being a white person that I need to stop moving forward with my activism, with, uh, all of the things that I really, really enjoyed doing before my life got flipped up, upside down. I can still do them. It might just look a little different. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's fine. maybe I went on a it's tangent fine. there, but we had a lot of great things to say yeah. in that. And yeah. I think it really circles back to, we are all a little too dependent on the opinions of strangers. Uh, you know, likes, comments, those are yes. hits of dopamine. And I did my research in social media yeah. i intend to continue my research in social media but i will be the first person to say like mm. take a break from it minimize your screen time like understanding how powerful yeah. that is to want to be involved in every step of everyone's life and wanting people to see what you're doing in your life it it takes away the power of just being in the moment yeah. and it takes away the power of just enjoying your own wins for yourself um yeah Totally. Yeah, that's so powerful. Yeah. And it also I think like taking a break from it also uh, helps you find what you really enjoy without having something in your hand 24 um, seven. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just say this too. I I when I do have Instagram, like right now I have it, um, I, there are days where I just delete the app off of my phone. So anyone who struggles with it too, like that's a really good thing that helps me. So I can have like a Sunday, like this past Sunday, it was just my sister and I, we went hiking Love with that. my cat. He's trained on a leash. So we take him hiking and yeah. he's chills in a backpack. He's so funny. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't, I deleted the app off 
my phone for the day so I could really be with my sister and really be in the woods and really be with my cat, you know, and not have this distraction of how right. can I make my story look better, <laughs> which I know sounds yeah. crazy, but I know we all think it. I know it. Like, you know, whether you have a hundred followers or a thousand or a yeah. hundred thousand, like we're all thinking it. Um, so I want to get yeah. a little granular. What's something that you think is cool that you did in that month or so that you didn't have Instagram? Oh man, I, Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> it was such a weird month. Yeah. Cause like I said, everything was changing. Oh man. Oh, this is it. I got to really awesome. know my friend Annie more and I know she doesn't have any social media and, um, and I really got to observe, it gets me a little emotional because it was, she is like, oh, next level. Like, I don't even think they're <laughs> fully human. They're so great. <laughs> um, but I really got to know Annie. Like, I really got to know one of my friends. And I really got to know her in the sense that I, again, wasn't recording any of our moments together. It's all just in my mind. Oh, this is, this is the best thing that happened with Annie and a few other okay. people. I wanted to shave my head really, really badly. I've never shaved my head before. Um, I've always had, okay. if I did shave it, it was like the side of it. Yeah. Um, and uh, during that time, I, I kept saying, I want to shave my head. I want to shave my head. And Annie uh -huh. would be like, I'm going to make you beg for it. So you don't regret it. <laughs> I was like, okay. But then one night I had a really rough day and I would just really wanted to like feel a release of something yeah. and, um, and have it be healthy. Cause I'm used to not doing healthy things to, to feel something. So I was like, okay, tonight's the night let's shave it. And, um, there was a few of us there and, uh, they wanted to film it as it started. And I looked at all the, there was five of us there. I was like, no, I really want this just to be between us. I don't want anyone else to see this. And I don't want to like, look back on it. I want to just hold on to this memory of like letting go. Wow. I really want to like learn to let go without there being any attachment to it and filming it as an attachment. So, um, as we were doing it, they were cutting it and, um, this one girl started cutting it and she was like really aggressive and like uh, intense with, with letting my hair go. And I was like, okay, like whatever, this is the process, like let's go with it. And then she started shaving my head and it was still pretty aggressive. And then my best friend, uh, Mimi, she came in, my, the, the first girl that did it was Bella. And, and um, she's also, you know, was going through a bit of whatever she was going through at the time. Um, so I could feel that energy mm -hmm. in my head. I know that sounds crazy, but I could. And then Mimi came in and Mimi's always been like my, uh, wow. my set of wings, I guess you could say, like she carries me and she came in and she started going really gentle and like finished my hair off. And it, it just like, mm -hmm. yeah, she just like came in and, 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 you know, did it way more peacefully. And I got to look at myself when it was all done. And I just smiled so big. I was like, that's so cool. Like, it's really mm. me. There's nothing hiding behind me. Like there I am. And I remember that night when I went home, um, I felt so loved, you know, by all of my friends. And again, there were no pictures of it. I did end up taking one picture that night alone. And, um, and I just looked so mm. surrendered to like the moment. And, um, so I'm, I'm really grateful that I have that one picture. Cause it, it's a good, 
a good moment to look back on. And I remember looking in the mirror when I was alone, it was like 11 PM at night when I got home and I just like started laughing and I was like, Oh my God, this is so cool. So yeah, that was probably the, the best moment within that month that no one got to experience but us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can be there next time yeah. when I decide to do well, something. No, that was, I mean, it's very beautiful. I think <laughs> I'm saying beautiful very intentionally because I think that we have this notion of, what women are supposed to look like to look beautiful. And again, codependency, it's this thought Mm. of my hair needs to be long and flowing and can't be kinky. It can't be curly. Like it needs to be straight. It needs to be, um, you know, full. It can't Mm. be patchy. It can't be short. And there's a certain Mm. level of comfortability that needs to happen you know, you get over that hump of fear, but there's this, a level of comfortability that needs to happen with what we have is this preconceived notion of beauty. And this could be more associated with um, what's called femme, right? Um, you know, in order to be femme, you need yeah. to have this long flow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but what are your thoughts on that? What does it mean to you? Oh my God. I love that question. Cause that's definitely been something that I've been thinking about. Cause I've always been very femme. Um, and I, I still am like, I, I even though the hair is not there, like I still feel very femme and, um, and it's interesting though. Cause like, you know, being single now and, um, how letting go of my hair and, um, stripping away my identity from my ex partners and, um, being really Christina fully, whatever that means. I've definitely been like questioning my sexuality more and like um, wondering where I want to go next in my life. And if I want to go anywhere next, maybe I just want to like chill and and be with Christina for a while and like figure that out. Um, but it's been interesting. And I think the letting go of my hair was really like what helped me to start diving deeper into those questions of like, where do I want to go next? Who am I? What is my sexuality? Does it matter? Um, And is it okay to live in the gray area of not knowing? And um, Mm -hmm. like, I've always identified as bi, bisexual. Like that's never been a question in my mind, but like now I'm like questioning more things. And um, you know, it's been interesting. So, and I think I've viewed the world, even though I have identified as being bisexual, Mm. I've viewed the world through straight eyes for so long that like the idea of having no hair, am I still beautiful to you? Am I still beautiful to the men that I have sought, uh, that I have been seeking this attention and this, this validation and these affirmations from my entire life, you know, and letting go of that need for you to validate me so I can validate me. And for me, letting go of my hair was that thing. And I think um, for more cultures, hair means a lot more, but for me, my hair, I was always able to hide behind it. I was always able to do funky things with it. Um, It was a part of me. It was my identity. And to watch it fall on the floor, again, it was that question of who am I without this hair? You know, who who am I without this, um, this very feminine feature on me? Um, am I still feminine? Can I still tune into that? Mm -hmm. Um, do I want to tune into that? 
really cool questions that I don't think I'd be able to explore if I still had my hair. And like, who knows, maybe I'll be more evolved down the road and I can explore that with, with, you know, luscious locks. But like, (laughs) um, right now I really had to, oh, and, and the codependency and the seeking validation in others. I asked so many of my guy friends, or I would be like, I want to shave my head. And, and just, you know, feeling out what they would say. And the majority, almost all of them, I think all of them even said, don't do it. Oh my God, that's insane. You know, you're crazy. And when I let go of my hair, it was like, I was letting go of my need for all of them to, to tell me what is appropriate to do with my body, you know? And um, also being single for the first time in ever, it was a decision I made without a partner. That was my first full decision that regarded my looks and my body without a partner to discuss the process with. Because that's what you do in a relationship. You want to be attractive for your partner. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, But I didn't have to worry about that in that decision. It was just, let's do it. This is what I want. And nobody else can really take that away from me. Um, and not that again, like if I wanted to shave my head in the relationship and my partner at the time truly didn't want me to, then maybe Mm -hmm. there was, you know, something up with him, you know, like, so I don't know, it's, it's been such a wild experience and I didn't think it'd be this wild to just simply let go of my hair. Um, hair is a very identifying factor. Like even with my locks, like it's a part of you, it's a part of me. I mean, there's biblical stories the story of samson like you cut his hair he loses his strength but then at the end he realizes it's not the hair that was giving him strength yes. you know so i think i i totally agree with you that hair can sometimes be a mask in a sense and i think that how we look is huge on how we view ourselves personally even if we're not doing it for anyone else whether it's yeah. wearing makeup, whether it's tattoos, whether it's having a grill, right? There are so many options, right? But it's that control factor. <laughs> it's that control factor of like my body, my decision. I can make it look however I want. Maybe it's working out so that you look lean or that yeah. you look big, right? Um, how we look mm-hmm. is pretty correlated to how we feel. So I think, <laughs> again, codependency, that's that word. It's the word of the the interview but yeah there is a level of codependency with ourselves and how we look um or items of ourselves piercings totally yeah absolutely yeah it's um it's also been interesting to uh stop um viewing people solely for how they dress what they do with their hair how they what kind of tattoo tattoos they get, what kind of tattoos they don't get, what, you know, um, uh, to, to really look more at the heart of a person than, um, than how they choose to present themselves. And I know that's a huge, you know, component that we're all going to look at forever. Um, but to slowly strip away from that and really go to the heart of somebody, um, is really, really powerful. And you get to meet and get to, uh, know people on a much deeper level when you, really go to the heart yeah Um, i keep bringing up the word codependency i want i want to know in your terms how do you define codependency yeah (laughs) great (laughs) i am the most codependent person i think i've I've met 
<laughs> and um, for me, when I hear codependency, I think of like a huge internal struggle of what I want to, to put out in the world and what I actually do put out in the world because I'm so caught up on having you be uh, what I need you to be. And if you're not what I need you to be, then you don't love me. And that's really fucked me over in my life big time. So codependency, I think in the, the shortest way of explaining it is just an internal struggle of trying to find love, but not knowing how to find it in a healthy way. And that's, that's been my experience in my life since I could form a memory. Um, yeah. It's just mm. that internal struggle to find love and finding it in other people. And you really can't find, I, I think you can practice loving yourself while being with other people and while still being in a codependency cycle for sure. But for me, my experience is I had to let go of a ton and I'm still obviously not even far down the process or far down the line, but I've had to really let go of a lot to dive deeper into a life lacking codependency. Um, I don't think there's healthy ways to be codependent. I, I um, maybe the only codependency mm, yeah, in my life that's yeah. healthy is with my cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. And I mean, also with codependency, if you want to bring that into animals lives, like you mentioned in the beginning, I think it's uh, animals have a codependency on us when we are their caretakers. And I think that's also very healthy, but I, I think the codependency that I think about for my own life is that internal struggle to find love and in ways that aren't helping myself and aren't helping the person that I'm struggling with the codependency oh, sure. with, if that makes sense. So kind of the last yeah. point that I want to kind of gain from you, the last nugget of knowledge that I would love to gain from you. What is some advice that you would give someone who is beginning their codependency journey? I know you say you're start, still in your beginning stages, but what's like one piece of advice? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it, it's a great time to mm -hmm. ask that because I'm literally living it. Um, man, I think therapy is huge. I think really diving into a spiritual practice is huge. And um, those are things that give you power. And when you're in codependency, you lack power because you're giving it away to everybody mm. without them even knowing it really. Um, and you're expecting and you have these demands on people that are very unrealistic. So when you can have enough knowledge to look at the codependency, um, being more mindful, whatever that looks like to you. Um, and yeah, I think the two things mm -hmm. though, for me right now, so I can only speak on them is the spirituality aspect and um, the uh, therapy. I think those two things, if someone is deep in codependency will really help because it's helped me on my process. I still, like I said, have so much growth yeah. to go through but yeah Whew. <laughs> uh, well this conversation honestly has been so therapeutic and informational for me from multiple aspects so uh, thank you so much for sitting with me and you know uh, teaching me i appreciate that oh thank you oh my god i've been so excited for this so thank you oh. yeah it means a lot of course